Good to see you this morning. My name is uh, Brian Herzog. I'm one of the elders here. I have the privilege of, of serving here at Potter's House. And on occasion, uh, I get to share the word every once in a great while. And today is once in a great while. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be faithful to share his word the best of our ability this morning. I want to welcome you if you haven't gotten that welcome. Uh, uh, thank you for, uh, for being here to worship with us. And we hope that you feel welcome. And uh, I'm also praying that uh, we are encouraged today uh, in Christ because of His Word, because of our time in His Word. I pray that uh, what He has for us this morning would be something that is encouraging to you and uh, possibly makes a change in our hearts and lives because of that. Today we're going to be talking about purpose-built and hand-picked. So uh, we're taking a departure uh, from our... Uh, Studies in Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and uh, so today we're going to be talking about this. And the passage we're going to center on is John chapter fifteen, verse sixteen. So you can go ahead and turn to that in your Bible if you want to. We're going to read that passage together in a minute, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about purpose built and handpicked. I don't know if you have ever—I'm I'm sure you probably have been shopping and hand-picked your fruits and vegetables because you want to make sure they're just right and the right amount of ripeness and, and all those things that you need, uh, you want to make sure that's what you're going to use. Or maybe uh, you're a guy and you were shopping for lumber for a project that you're doing. I was talking to Curtis uh, the other day, and uh, he was telling me about his uh, lumber picking uh, escapade uh, for a project he was doing on his deck. And I forget how many hours he told me he handpicked every board for that project because he wanted to make sure they were straight, that there were no knots, there were no splits, that everything was just right. So, uh, and apparently it turned out because Curtis showed me pictures of the deck and it looks good. So, handpicking is an important thing. And I don't know if you've ever seen a tool or a machine that was purpose-built, that was everything in place exactly as it should be for the purpose that it was designed for. And that's an amazing thing if you've ever seen that. And some of those things are simple, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some of those things are very complex, uh, but yet uh, purpose-built and hand-picked are both important things. Uh, I want to share a little context from this uh, verse. First of all, everything in John chapter 15, uh, all the words are Jesus' words. Jesus was speaking uh, in the upper room, and most likely at the very end of the Lord's Supper uh, that they were having, that last supper in that upper room as they were getting ready to leave. And these were also uh, Jesus' uh, last instructions, maybe uh, important last instructions before he was uh, to go out and the uh, procedures before his crucifixion and death, burial, and resurrection. So he was giving those last instructions. So that's where we pick up in John chapter 15. So if you would, as we typically do, stand together and we'll read this passage. It's not a long one, but we will read it together as we go. All right, here it is. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So first of all, as we think about uh, the uh, purpose-built 
part of our title this morning. Let's look at this word appointed. You see it highlighted, underlined there. Uh, that's an important word. Um, as, as it's translated out, there's several different meanings of this word, and some of them are conceived, made, purposed, set forth. So Jesus is saying he didn't just appoint you as in, hey, would you go shut that door, or hey, can you open that window, or would you turn on the light or turn off the light? It was with a purpose in mind. It was a design. There was a, a master plan that he appointed and built us for. And in fact, all believers are purpose-built. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but today we really want to hone in on that. Each of us who are believers are purpose-built. We've been designed with a specific purpose, a specific skill set, and we uh, are made for, for a specific purpose. What Paul said of himself to the church at Galatia is true of every Christ follower from the very beginning. And we're going to look at that right here. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Paul recognized that he was designed, God knew him when he was being knit in his mother's womb. Perhaps he was thinking about the passage in Psalm 139 that David wrote, because David understood this as well. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you formed me, David is talking to God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. I love this next phrase. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Let that think in for a minute. God's eyes saw our unformed substance before the foundation of the world. And in your book were written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Before any of the days of my life happened, God knew. God had a plan. God designed. We were talking a few minutes ago about things that are purpose-built. And one of the simplest things I know of that is purpose-built is a hammer. I mean, everybody, I think, is familiar with a hammer. And I will give you two guesses as to what a hammer is designed to do. And before you say something... Know that, yes, I've used a hammer to make something fit that's not supposed to fit. I've done that. Or to, to bend something that doesn't need to be bent. Uh, but the design of a hammer is for, for what? What's its first primary design? Drive nails. And the second design? Pull nails. D drive and pull nails. That's what it's designed for. Everything about that hammer is designed for that purpose. The weight of the head, the shape of the head, the shape of the part that hits the nail, the claw, the angle of the claw, the curve of the claw, the how wide the V is in that claw, the, the shape of the bevel on that, all of those things are designed. The length of the handle, the structure of the handle, the shape of the handle, the balance of the, of the whole tool is designed to drive nails and pull nails. It's purpose built. Now, I, I do know that a hammer can't feel, it can't emote. It can't. But if a hammer could be happy, 
it would be happiest driving nails and pulling nails, don't you think? If it could be, if this is a cartoon world and this hammer can feel, it would be happy driving nails and pulling nails because that's what it was designed for. It's purpose built. It's purpose built. So our purpose then is to bear fruit. Oh, there are other hammers. Yes, thank you. My finger reminded me there are other hammers. And, and just like hammers, there are many of us who have different purposes. Those are all hammers, but they are designed, purpose-built, for a completely different uh, purpose. And so we are also purpose-built. Look again at our passage. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. As believers, we are all handpicked for the purpose for which we were built. So Jesus picked the apostles. He handpicked them. Just like being purpose-built, we are also handpicked. Look what the passage says in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. He had more followers. He had many followers at the time. He called them all to him. And he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So these men were hand-picked. They were purpose-built, as we've previously seen. All of us believers are purpose-built, and they were also hand-picked by Jesus. So we are purpose-built, and we're hand-picked for the purpose of bearing fruit. The good news about this purpose building and handpicking and the bearing fruit is he has already given us all we need to accomplish this. Christ has already given us the tools, all the things that we need to bear fruit for him, for the kingdom. If you were here for our Ephesians study a few years back, uh, your mind was blown and your, your heart was so blessed, I know, by so many things that we learned about who we are in Christ and what we have been given. And, and uh, if you haven't seen that or, or haven't heard that, I encourage you to go to our podcast and look back for our Ephesians study. Uh, I don't remember the year, but uh, you can search on our Podbean uh, site and find that. Uh, but uh, we want to look at a passage there that uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but... Um, I think it's so important for us to understand this kind of helps us see that Christ has already given us all we need to accomplish all of the things that he's going to ask us to do. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And by the way, the word every means every. Right? There's no trick there. Every, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him. Sound familiar? 
He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, before one of our days ever was. He knew. He chose us that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. With a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time, every millisecond of the entire scope of eternity is planned the fullness of time. He administrates all that. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose. There it is, His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him... You also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. He has already given us everything we need to accomplish His will, His purpose for which He has designed us. And so we want to talk more about that fruit and how we do that, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But first of all, all of this comes from being connected to Him, connected to Christ, and being obedient to Him. Those two things, trust and obey. You heard that old hymn? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Those are two important things that are part of our responsibility. The rest is all Christ. The rest is all Him. He's given us the tools. He's purpose-designed us. He's handpicked us. And we trust and obey. The, our passage this morning comes from John chapter 15, and we want to look at some of the other verses leading up to that. And so we're going to look, starting in verse 4 of John chapter 15, abide, and that word abide, as every time you see that, it could also be translated live or stay or remain. Abide, and I love the, the, the translation live. Choose to live. If we live in a spot, we stay there. We're anchored there. That's where we come back to. No matter where we go here and there, we come back home. We live in our home. Make your home in Christ. Jesus is saying these words. As we said, all of John 15 are the words of Christ. Live in me and I in you. It's a two-way thing. Jesus said he is the vine and we are the branches. He is the, he is the source of our nourishment, of our relationship, of our strength, of our wisdom, of everything. Abide in me, live in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides or lives in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide 
in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides or lives in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He's talking here about those who are not believers. Maybe they profess, maybe they're pretending, they, they look like they're believers, but they have never trusted Christ. They've never made that profession of faith. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you live in me and my words live in you, I love this. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Of course, he's not talking here about asking for $500 million houses and Lamborghinis. He's talking about that relationship. Look at the qualification there. If you live in me and my words live in you, what happens if we are living in that state? We become more like him. We think like him. We know his thoughts because his heartbeat and ours are synced together. Then the things that we want are the things that he wants. It's a natural flow. If we abide in him and his words abide in us, we can ask whatever we wish. It'll be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's not talking about a test here. We don't pass the test, but that it is obvious to all that we are his disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Think about that for a minute. The same love that God the Father has for the Son, the Son has for us. I mean, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. The love of the Father to the Son is the same as the love of the Son to us. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Live in my love. Live there. Can you imagine what that is like to live in the love of Christ every day? If you keep my commandments, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and live or abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, not just his love in us, but his joy in us, and that your joy, our joy, may be made full or complete. This is my commandment. He's telling you, obey my commandments, and this is the commandment. Here it is. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So the love of the Father to the Son and the love of the Son to us, and the love of us to others. Just as He's loved us, we love each other. That's the commandment. Greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. The Message Bible, I believe it is, says, put your life on the line for your friends. What a beautiful thought. Man, what the world would be like if all of us caught a hold of this type of love one for another. To be that gracious and loving and kind and caring and putting them first. Greater love is no one than this than one lay down his life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. This command to love one another. 
you are also friends with him. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave doesn't know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. And here's our passage. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you, designed you, purpose built you. That you would go and bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain. It would be permanent. It would be forever fruit. It wouldn't be fruit that would go bad. It wouldn't rot. It wouldn't go bad if you left it out. This is permanent forever fruit. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. So we see as we look at this relationship that Jesus is outlining there, this abiding in him, this living, being connected to him and obeying his spirit as he commands us, as he moves in us, being willing to say, yes, Lord, and step out and do that. It becomes a natural thing. This fruit comes naturally from abiding or living in Christ and his love. I love the illustration that uh, Jay has used. I've heard him use it uh, up here before and uh, uh, in conversation as well. You know, I said one day he was uh, walking through an apple orchard and, and the apples were beginning to come on and they were starting to grow and he was walking through there and just enjoying the smells and the sights and it was a very quiet day, no wind. And he stood there for a moment and he closed his eyes in the middle of that orchard and strained to hear and listen. And he could just barely hear those apple trees straining with all their might to produce apples. Now, now, right? Apple trees don't have to work really hard to produce apples. It becomes natural because... That's what they're designed to do. And they're, if they're connected to the earth and if they're nourished and if they're healthy, they produce apples naturally. And that's what we're talking about here. This fruit comes naturally from abiding or living in Christ and his love. I love what Paul said about his life in Christ in Galatians 2.20. Look at that here. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul understood this connected relationship very well. He explains it very well right here. Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So maybe you, like I, have maybe prayed, Lord, help me live my life for you. Lord, I want, I want to live my life for you every day. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great prayer. That's, that's a wonderful prayer. That's a wonderful attitude to have. But maybe what if we kind of flipped that just a little bit and, and really connected more with our connection with Christ and we prayed this, Lord, Please live your life through me. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, didn't he? The life I now live, I live through Christ. Christ's life is in me. So maybe we can start praying, Lord, please live your life through me. Totally yielded. Totally the, the uh, branch does not fight with the vine. The branch does not resist the vine. The nutrition flows. The 
all the things that are needed to produce the fruit flows. Lord, please live your life through me. Here's another beautiful thing about the fruit that we are to bear. We're starting to get to that now. It's unique to you. As many believers as there are in the world, each one has a fruit, a design, a ministry that is unique to them. It's not like mine or anyone else's. The fruit that I'm to bear is unique to me, and the fruit that you are to bear is for you. You're chosen and selected and made for a specific purpose. God created and chose you for His team. He picked you to be on His team to produce the fruit that only you can produce. Think about that for a minute. You're the only one that can do the ministry that God has called you to, God has designed you for. There's no list. I know we like lists. I like lists, especially now that I'm getting older. I need lists every day so I don't forget what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, left foot, okay, what's next? Right, almost, I'm not that bad yet. But we like lists. We like to be able to check off things. So you might say, God, just give me a list of what I'm supposed to do, uh, all the fruit that you want me to produce, and I'll get on it, and I'll... There's no list your purpose built, your talents, your personality, your gifts, the things you like, the things you don't like, everything about you was specifically made by God to accomplish His will for your life. There are people you can reach that nobody else can reach. There are types of ministry that you can do that nobody else can do. And we're most at peace when we're doing what we were created for. I like to describe the feeling as this. When, when, when I'm doing what I believe God has created, for, created me for, I almost physically feel His hand on me saying, this is what I created you for. There's a sense of blessing, a sense of peace, a sense of joy, a sense of uh, being right where you need to be that says, this is what I created you for. Remember the hammer? If a hammer could be happy, he'd be happiest driving nails and pulling nails because that's what he was designed for. So the more constantly connected to God, the more we begin to discover the purpose for which we're created. And the more we discover that purpose, you see there's a progression here. Just like the, branch, the vine and the branch, as the nutrition flows, there's a progression. The fruit begins to grow. The more we discover that purpose and the more we abide, live in Him, the more we begin to live that purpose naturally as the fruit naturally produces. This fruit will also be lasting, he said, forever fruit. It won't go bad. God will supply what you need to accomplish this fruit production. So, if you're a believer, you're purpose-built and hand-picked by God. Man, how does that make you feel? Have you ever been on a, on a sports team uh, and been handpicked? Or maybe in gym class, sometimes I was picked last. Until I grew, hit a growth spurt. And was, but maybe you've been picked or been passed over. But how does it feel to know that you were handpicked by God for a specific purpose? So what should, what should we do then? So how about we do that? How about we choose to abide in Him, to live in Him? So hang on. There's a, there's a list here. I said no list, but 
but just to kind of help us get into this sense of abiding in Him. Abiding in Christ is to abide in that love that He described. The love of the Father to the Son, the love of the Son to us, our love to each other from the Son. To live in that love, that perfect, holy love. To live in Christ is to remain, to stay rooted and grounded in that love, to meditate on it, to think about it, to pray about it, to let the love of Christ dictate how we live and how we act. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we all let God's love in our hearts dictate how we live? Not just when we're here on Sunday morning sitting in the pew, but when we're at work, when we get cut off in traffic, when something bad happens. Let God's love dictate how we live and how we act. And it also has to do with how we love each other. Understanding that abiding in Christ, abiding in His love is to have peace in your life that only can be known by, by abiding in Christ. There's, there's a peace that's different than any other type of peace from living our lives in Christ. And we enjoy that peace that comes through His love. We can also rest in that love that He has for us. It's to live in the peace that that love brings, knowing that there's nothing in this world, nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate us from that love. He's faithful and forever. To abide in Christ is to know that Christ loves me like the Father loves Him. And because He does love me in that way, He will never leave me. He will care for me. He'll give me strength as I need it. And to abide in Christ is to believe that He has this kind of love for me. There's no fear of Christ. There's no fear in, in the love of Christ. There's no hopelessness. Only peace and comfort. Choose to live constantly in that love. To abide in Christ means that you have professed Him as your Lord and Savior. That you've trusted in His gospel. That Jesus died for your sins. That He was buried and rose again three days later. That's the gospel right there, trusting in that gospel. By this, my Father is glorified, verse 8 says, that you bear much fruit. And our passage, you did not choose me, but I chose you. God chose you. Let that sink in if you haven't already. What an amazing gift. God chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, hand-built you, that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would be forever, that it would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. When Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, he wasn't just talking about the day he passed a tax collector's table and said, follow me, or just the day he strolled along the seaside and noticed some fishermen and say, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He wasn't only talking to the people in this room. Jesus, the Word of God incarnate, speaking as the divine Son and commander of the church that he was about to establish here on earth, was declaring his eternal power and authority to choose. And he was saying, I choose you, each of you, specifically for the completion of a lifelong mission, the objective of which 
is to give glory to the Father, both now and forever. So, you did not choose choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. And as we've heard many times, what does that make you want to do? Let's abide in him. Let's live in him. Let's keep exploring that day by day and discover the nuances that each new day of living deeper and deeper in love with Christ, in Christ's love and living out that love to others and letting Christ live his life through us. Let's experience that joy. Let's transform the world around us through that relationship, through that abiding relationship with Christ. Would you pray with me? Let's stand together. Father, you're so good. We're overwhelmed today by your goodness and your love and your mercy and the gifts that you have given us in your word. That passage in Ephesians never fails to blow me away what you have already given us, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Lord. The gift of salvation, the gift of your love, the promise of the Holy Spirit, all the blessings, all the gifts, all the abilities that you placed in each of us to live your life through us. Father, thank you for that blessing. Help us as we go from this place to not forget what we have heard, but to dig deeper into that, to study this passage again, to make it our own, to begin to go deeper and deeper in love with you, in life with you, and abide in you so that we can fully live out what you purposely designed for us. We were purpose-built by you, and we were hand-picked by you. Thank you so much for that gift. We give it all back to you, Father. Go with us and bless us and keep us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.